You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 2, Episode 4 of Federation Conversations, or FedCon for short. I'm your host, Mariah Beachboard. Also with me are BJ Robinson and Mike Lunsford. Today, we're going to talk about the amazing episodes 4 through 10 of Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and we'll also play a Who Said It game. Before we get started, I just want to plug the Facebook group, Great Geek Refuge, because it's an awesome place where you're not going to find gatekeeping and you can get excited about anything that you want to geek out about, including pears. I swear to God, there was once a geek out post about pears. So check it out. The Great Geek Refuge group on facebook.com. Now, I had asked Captain Robinson and Admiral Lunsford to share how they self-edit when they need to curse, uh, but they're around children or the top brass. Well, as for me, Professor Beachboard, I have made an art of cursing in alien languages. It's a test, you see, a test of two things, my students' linguistic aptitude and their ability to hold in a guffaw at their classmates' expense. For instance, I might call out a student who is being especially obtuse and say in the worst Klingon possible on purpose, mind you, <clears throat> Hob shit cooch. This means when pre properly spoken in Klingon, your mother has a smooth forehead. However, after a few complaints and after a few admirals have decided to sit in on my classes and after speaking with my anger management therapist, I have switched to another tactic, which is less acerbic, but no less bewildering. Instead of butchering a culture's language on purpose and insult insulting a student's intelligence, I simply go to my happy place and shout out my personal inventory of Lisa Frank merchandise. It <laughs> sounds like this. Zoomer rainbow angel kitty gibbet. <laughs> so, so if you guys had to tell, had to curse as, as your uh, alter egos, what would you do? I mean, if you're addressing the crew, um, maybe on your loudspeaker throughout the whole ship, or if you are yeah. talking to a whole panel of admirals, like, how do you handle that? With with me, um, as my fondest memories in, in Starfleet have been when I was in command, when I when I had a crew, when like that, those are my fondest memories. We had a deal, the crew and I, when it's us, like no holds barred. Every word is 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 up for grit. You can say anything you need to say. Curses are allowed. You can curse at me as long as you understand that it's constructive and as long as you understand that I am still the boss at the end of the day. That being said, they also know when to turn it on. And when an, when a an high-ranking admiral is on board, we mind our P's and Q's. We are polite. We use the, I believe the 20th or 21st century term is uh the corporate lingo so when you tell when you want to tell somebody to fuck off without telling them to fuck off you would say things like well admiral i am sorry that you feel that way things like that 
and the most passive aggressive possible way that you can, which honestly hurts the other person even more than actually saying the curse word to them. If you're trying to say to them, are you fucking dumb? I've already explained this to you three or four times. You'll say, let me re-reference my original statement. Had you been paying attention, you would have caught. That sort of thing. Again, passive aggressive, but it gets its point across. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the USS Maestro um, is uh, often uh, a ship uh, that Starfleet families uh, get to visit uh, whenever we uh, are just uh, in dock. It's it's a great touring vessel that is still active at the same time, which often means we're exposed to to people of all ages. And so for for myself, um, you know, to be a fine captain and to be a fine, uh, a friendly ambassador to to people of all ages uh, visiting, um, I've gotten into a good practice of using musical expressions to further express myself in times when uh, other words fail. Um, and and it tends to throw people off in a great way. And, and this is a practice that we, we just use on the ship in general. Um, you know, someone might slip and say, you know, just like, damn it. And it's very quickly just to ah, 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 find another thing that fits right in there. Dynamic. Excellent. Carry on. Sometimes you've got people who are having uh, uh, challenges with uh, particular personalities, and, and occasionally you might hear someone just say, sort of under their breath, uh, well, they're being a real chord. And you just take that beat and breath with it, and you keep moving on. Um, you know, the captain has been known often to uh, be a bit loud at times, and so you might hear a quick, just, ah, Capella. Uh, oh my gosh. But we just, we, we find our ways to keep music, uh, it, it, keeping us engaged and expressive and, and, and working it out. Um, yeah. You know, that being said, the soundtrack from time to time might uh, have its own questionable length, but that's okay. It's in a song. Ah, uh, dynamic. I love that. The, the chord one caught me off guard. <laughs> Uh, I, I may or may not have used these at times in my real life as well, because it also <laughs> makes someone go like, oh, what a chord. What? What? Uh, nothing. Yeah. And you just kind of move on from it. <laughs> I have to start using that. That is wonderful because it, it does make people stop and wow. Wow. People don't get it. Say? And that's perfect. I said in our texting, I text terribly. Because we'll text back and forth, dear listener, um, about how we're going to do the show. And uh, today, we were all watching basically the latest episode of Lower Decks together. And I typed, I so here's what I wanted to say. Oh, my God. And here's what I said. Oh, my gif. Like, what the, what what does that mean? It was so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's, it's wonderful because it's, it, it sounds like something somebody would say who is super careful about any word that could possibly, possibly offend somebody. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, to me, it, it sounds like something kids will start saying. I feel like I, yeah. I could start hearing that in schools tomorrow and that like, oh yeah, that's just like the latest, youngest generation. Like, oh my goodness. You know, well, yeah. like, like that, that, it felt hip. <laughs> well, especially with, you know, my, my current position in a training role as an admiral, 
um, dealing with, you know, the youngsters like you do. Um, they communicate almost exclusively in GIFs, which is funny because the episode of, of Next Generation, um, Darmok, spoke of this 30 years before <laughs> it started happening. And like, what's hilarious about this is when that episode came out, people were like, oh, this is so dumb. A whole culture that speaks in metaphors, that'll never happen. And then here we are. And like, here we I'm, are. Yeah, I literally could mention the description of a meme to you and you guys would know exactly what I'm talking about. My kids do that to me. Yeah. Um, so my, si- my, my sister, wow. My daughter was talking to me about me being angry about something. And she goes, oh, you got that dog in you. And I said, mm. excuse me, <laughs> what? And it sounded dirty. It just sounded awful. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she was referring, it became a meme and has rotated in different uh, iterations, but it's basically, you know, the two wolves inside you, like someone has played on that and it has now become, you've got that dog in you. And so that's, she literally spoke in GIF to me. And there was a a serious generational miscommunication. Anyway, moving on. Maybe this is why you said, oh my GIF, like that, I mean, it was, it was your almost like generational Freudian slip. Yeah like me calling her my sister because now we have that kind of relationship because you know she's 19 so yay me because you're cool now you're hip (laughs) no i understand i've had to do cultural um study in order to keep up with these sorts of things because they'll make a reference to something i'm like i don't know what the fuck that means and i have to look it up like for a while all of the kids you know at starfleet academy obviously were doing that thing where they would go like this and go sheesh and i'm like what the fuck does that mean they would what wait, wait, wait. What they would that? make a gun symbol to their no, inner no, like arm. You're, hang on, like, like yeah. oh, like you're injecting yourself, injecting something. And I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And I had to have somebody translate for me. What that is is that you're you have ice water in your veins. Is what that is. You're that's so cool. not how I interpreted it. That's not how I interpreted it either. I was like, well, "You're an intravenous ice drug water user? in like, your veins via injection." At- well, I mean, it gets the point that you're talking about a vein, and like, yeah, you're just cold. Look at you. And I am distracted enough right there of like, "What, children? Leave your yeah. veins alone. Yeah. What are we doing?" Oh my gift. <laughs> I might have to come to the two of you and ask questions as I just entered this, you know, youth teaching world again. Oh no! Um, yes, congratulations. Know things. Thank yeah. you. Also, like I'm terrified because I'm like there's things I know that I can teach them, but I also just don't know a oh, lot. Yeah. Um, if you're dealing with kids, uh, no SpongeBob references, and the reason why is for us, it's The Simpsons. We can all reference The Simpsons, and everybody knows the joke that we're talking about, right? But for them, it's SpongeBob. Yes. Know your SpongeBob shit. Oh, oh, so I need to know. I, I thought you were saying don't. No, no you got to know. Yeah, you got to yeah. know your SpongeBob stuff, man. Like the mocking thing. <laughs> he where, just like, rolled his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm already exhausted yeah. and I had a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm lucky, though, because because like Jax is 14 and Chelsea is 25. And like they both love SpongeBob. So I watched it all the time with them. So I absorbed it like through osmosis oh. and I pick up on all the jokes, too. So, yeah, like it's yeah. It's oh, yeah, fuck straight that. them singing Frozen this week. But at least they, they liked it. We got to see it in Spanish. That was fun. Hey. Anyway. My brain is now trying to interpret with the very l- limited amount of Spanish that I have with the lyric. Anyway, moving on. ADHD <laughs> taking on a whole new route, and I'm trying to rein it in. We're going to talk about Strange New World. 
last time we talked about episodes one, two, and three, and we have been away from you, dear listeners, um, for quite a while because like BJ had to lift his house by hand. Um, I got COVID. Life is just nuts. Um, but we are so happy to be here. And there's so much to talk about because holy shit, it was a crazy, crazy ride. Um, so let's talk. I don't even remember everything that happened in the last seven episodes. Would you Would you like me to give you the synopsis of each one to d- discuss can, them? Can you I have do it like up a, and ready. Let's like go through them. Yeah. Yeah, do uh, it yeah. quick. So the last one that we spoke of was Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Tomorrow. We talked about that at length where we talked about how awesome it was to see somebody mourn for a love that really doesn't exist because of temporal issues. And like Lon just ugly crying, but all of us understanding that and really like empathizing with her because like that's how anybody would feel because that's some complicated shit. Um, Next episode was uh, Among the Lotus Eaters. So this would be um, the episode where they return to, and I'm trying to remember the name of the planet, Um, but basically there's a radiation that causes everybody to forget, like lose their memories basically. I remember now, yes. Yes. Yeah, Rigel it's 7. Rigel 7. It is Rigel 7. 7. Yeah, Rigel that's what it was. Rigel 7. Way to go, DJ. Yeah, Rigel 7. They returned to Rigel 7. Um, and there is there was an incident that happened. Um there's an incident that happened in the past, and like Spock almost died on their last mission to Rigel 7, and they lost a crewman, uh, a guy named Zach. It turns out Zach's running the show on Rigel 7. They thought he was um, dead when they yeah, left they him, they thought dead. he was dead. Yeah, and he's not happy with Starfleet at all. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but he did mow a symbol in their in his backyard. Yeah, like an asshole, though, to attract them, because he was like, I know how Starfleet is, and you guys can't resist because blah, 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 <laughs> prime directive, blah, blah, blah. And he knew, and he baited Pike, man. And, like, that episode was... was, it was it's interesting, at least I thought it was interesting, because there were aspects that they peeled away where they showed what would people be like if you didn't have your memories or if you didn't have, like, for instance, before Pike goes back into the castle, or like right as he's going back into the castle, he is kicking ass and taking names, dude. He is busting people upside the head with the butt of a rifle. Like he's ready to kill Zach, man. He has no compunction about that at all. And then his memories come back and he's like, I can't fucking do this because it's wrong. Like that animal instinct disappears. And I was like, whoa that is deep like he learned not to be like that and i thought that that was a really really brilliant commentary on society and at at large like yeah not not my favorite episode of this run but still had a good lesson to it for sure it was really cool to see another person rise to that level of aggression because we saw with mbenga and chapel in the season opener, which was also like really intense um, and got into its own, just like, you know, morality and efficacies of you know, like, Mega doesn't go anywhere without that super drug. Um, and, and, <laughs> you know, that's where that's, that's, that's his choice. Um, but then seeing that come out of Pike was really, really like, uh, oh, okay, great. Everyone's, everyone's capable of anything. Um, and then, you know, it was also a great moment again for them to just pull us in more with him and Captain Battelle. Um, you know, the the 
the, I forget what they, the term they called for it, but uh, just the charm that he had from her that kind of helped him. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the, him, the sailor's, sailor's compass, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, I, I appreciated that aspect of it as well, just in like raising the stakes. It was a good episode. Uh, our next episode uh, was episode five, Charades. Oh, oh, this is a good one. A shuttle accident leads to Spock's Vulcan DNA getting removed by aliens, making him fully human and unprepared to face Pring's family during an important ceremonial dinner. It was the perfect storm. It was the it was the perfect comedy of errors. Just yes. flawless. This was such a sitcom episode. It was just like the in-laws are coming and like something crazy happens. It was like an episode of Three's Company, but it was fucking wonderful. I felt like I could have been watching WandaVision again. Like everything about it was magical and ridiculous. Um, and then, I mean, you know me, come on. The bacon, just the bacon love was like. Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought of you. And then when 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 he's like, oh, why am I so nauseous? <laughs> You overdosed. How much bacon did you eat? The pacing of all of those jokes was perfect. And just the cut of the cameras. I mean, just amazing. And, and Spock losing his shit because Kirk didn't clean up after himself has just provided the most amazing meme fodder. Um, It's just brilliant. Just that, that Spock is a neat freak and like Sam Kirk is just a fucking slob. Oh man! <laughs> you just lost his shit in front of everyone. Amazing. Had to be <sighs> held back. Oh, he was gonna fuck him up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Over crumbs. I did love when Spock's mom shows up and he's wearing the fucking beanie, like he's like a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> Sup, mom? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, so good. Yeah, and the really um. Good the very standoffish nature of the alien race that really doesn't want to have to do with anyone, but has set up an entire call center because this happens all the fucking time. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I do. I, I found, I, I didn't know this. Um, maybe they had mentioned it in previous Trek lore, but I did not realize that, that Vulcans thought we stink like, like actually smell bad. I, um, I feel was, like that was, that was something. I think that's Canon. I feel like it's Canon, but it I don't remember is, yeah. where. I had never heard that before, but it's just it's just another layer that's just funny. You know, like we smell bad. Um, I, I think my favorite just steal of the episode was um, T'Pring's father. Just just being so like, oh, oh yes, it is. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 this is, like, like you're saying, classic sitcom kind of feel. Yeah. Ah, that's, the, 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 yeah. It, the, it hen-pecked, really the hen-pecked husband. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, and like Pike just continuing to be in dad mode, just like, hey, I made these really awesome appetizers. Who's hungry? And he's like, I, I might have an appetizer. Yes, I think that sounds logical. Like, yeah. <laughs> and his reactions, like the the beautiful over the top reactions Pike had and yeah. like where you see him kind of giving up because what do you do when you're the host of this kind of horrible situation? It was wonderful. Really and was. Um, to Porta Pring. I do not blame her for saying, listen, I could have told me. However, I also don't blame Spock for not telling her. It was a magnificent um, opposing of two heroes because they both had no choice but to do what they did. And and therefore, you know, they can't be together. Yeah. And 
we'll get into it in, in, in the next few episodes. Um, it, it keeps because, going. <laughs> because we had a we had a thing. We had a we thing had... happen between between Chapel and Spock. There was and... a kiss. We had a lot of things. We yeah. lot of things. That, gotta, ending, I, that ending. That ending was more. I think we only saw a kiss, but I don't think that there was just a kiss. There was an no, aggressive, was... yeah, yeah, an that aggression. That ain't a kiss. That doesn't stop there. He said like, they were dating. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a Ross and Rachel thing from Friends. They were on a break, him and Topring. So yeah. Mm. Can, can we call yeah. it like, you know, when they cut, it, it turned into an ellipses, you know, like a, there was a big magnificent kiss and then an ellipses. Get it? I made a pun. <laughs> well done. Thank well you done. for the laugh. That well was done. amazingly well forced, well but I appreciate the effort. Yes. <laughs> Polite golf applause for your joke. Well done. I was right. going for the sitcom laughter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, Captain. Uh, next episode. The next episode in season two of Strange New Worlds is Lost in Translation. Uhura seems to be the only one who can hear a strange sound. When the noise triggers terrifying hallucinations, she enlists an unlikely assistant to help her track down the sources. Um, I thought this episode was cool. I thought this was a really, really, really interesting concept. And this is something that's, that Trek does really, really well, is they establish that not all races communicate the same way, which is mm-hmm. great because the original series limited to what they could do with special effects and like writing standards of the time didn't really do that everybody spoke english no matter where they went and then they were like oh we have a universal translator so that fixes everything right okay cool great whatever tng did this i mentioned it before with uh the darmok episode like you see all of these language barriers that pop up in discovery we had a an um we had a race that was beyond our universe that spoke in um like chemical signals which was like pheromones like that's that's amazing um same thing with this like they were trying to communicate something, but didn't know how, or we didn't know how to interpret it. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was just, it was such a fantastic, like high, like high brain episode. You know, this, this, like you have to be like, mm, yes, indeed. I love this one. But like, it's not one of those ones. If you're going in looking for like photon torpedoes and explosions and, and phaser fights, like that's, this one's not for you, but like, this was, this was cool. And all, and honestly, like had a little bit of a horror vibe to it at a couple points too, man. And I thought that was pretty cool. Our vibe was fun. The nightmares were were just oh, yeah. like as they were fast and flashing were excellent. Um, I thought it was cool to get to see like zombie uh, hammer because um, <laughs> it was like this is graphic. Um, and the resolution on it was was wonderful. I love that they just keep bringing more and more depth to um, Uhura and Celia Rose is just I mean she's phenomenal. It was it was really, really great. I thought that there were so many little things that they kept setting up um, in previous things throughout this season that it was a little more serial than just being the one off as, as you know, they, they were the more episodic in season one. But I thought that they did a really, really great job at how they they brought those different things. Um, even the whole dynamic of Uhura or not Uhura, um, Una um, and Pelia uh, on the other station. That, that there was just that, like, uh-oh, why doesn't she like her? And and even kind of making them all go through that. Like, obviously, for her, it was this whole, she's still trying to deal with the grief and loss of Hammer, and so that made her a little bit more reluctant to get close to the next person. But then when it, you know, flips it completely uh, with Una, that it was just classic student-teacher, um, you know, bias against each other, 
Uh, There's just really, really fun, fun depths to it. it. It really was to find out that Una's beef with her was you gave me a C. Like that was her beef <laughs> with her. It wasn't Such anything. An overachiever. Nobody. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Can't be number one if I have a C. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good episode. Yes. All thought out, well played, and definitely satisfies that itch for more Uhura that I never got from, you know, the original stuff. So all right, My, next episode. Yeah, what's that? Are you ready for this? I'm only going to say the title. And then I am going to let you take the reins. And the reason why is because you thought less of one of the best episodes of this season because you were expecting this one next. And that is those old scientists. Look, man, I died when I saw the walk. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. When he sees Una and he can't speak because she's his hero and he does the giant swish of the hip walk with ginormous elbows. I was like that attention and love for his character. It just, it made it so much more real. And the the way the camera was angled so you could see, it was just really thoughtful and a really amazing way to pay homage to a fun, important piece of this, this canon, beautiful thing that we have. Um, but I remember, Mike, you said that it was amazing how it was super, super funny, but it had such an important, poignant moment for Pike when Boimler's like, okay, first of all, we're talking about the the crossover episode. I I launched straight into it. Sorry, everybody. It's a crossover episode. If you're you're listening to this and you don't know, I mean, like, they they know. It's old scientists. That was it. It's very thoughtful of you, Mariah, but they know. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the crossover. Yeah. Um, Yeah. the fact that they they were a pivotal moment in uh, Pike's character development, where it's like, hey, listen, people want to spend time with you. Stop hiding. Um, I thought that just made it, it gave Lower Decks even more legitimacy. But the, the speed at which they talked and even the comments that the characters had about how fast or slow they were talking delighted me because the first time I watched Lower Decks, I was like, why the fuck are they talking so fast? And it made me feel super old. And I just have to laugh at myself. But it was just so good. And and poor Boimler, with all of his enthusiasm, he reminds me of SpongeBob. Be- because yeah. the magic of SpongeBob is complete passion and enthusiasm for everything, no matter what, and always fucking shit up, right? <laughs> Everyone say yes because I'm I'm can, right I'm always can, right but can never get his boating license because yeah, yeah. never yeah never yeah. yeah yeah no it was just a flawless episode I loved it and it was a it was such a fangirl thing to be able to experience for sure it yeah. was it felt like it was an episode of Lower Decks and I loved that aspect of it the fact that it still made it about the Orions it was like. Oh man, it's just it was it was it was great. It was great to like be able to just save our lower decks before this next season had started with it. Um, and I know we'll get there, but that was that was just it was super super fun. I was losing my shit when Boimler and and uh, Chapel are in the elevator, and he's just trying to like wrap his head around. Spock's not supposed to be like this. Like, what do you think it could be? That's just- <laughs> He's so upset. He's so upset. <laughs> I loved their moments like that. And then even when it's um, a Mariner in the room with the her, and just like, you know, well, you know, you're supposed to be like this and like that and like that. And 
She's like, I'm never relaxed. Yeah, you tell. All right. Time <laughs> to drink. <laughs> yeah. I love that we got a flip. I love that we got to see the animated kids live. And then we got to see the live kids animated. I loved that. I thought it was great. Um, Like just seeing animated Pike was hilarious. Just all of them. And like they all leaned into it. This is one of the things that I love about Strange New Worlds. This is something that I love about Discovery. Every single one of those people on that set, they fucking love each other. And like they're so invested in the success of the show. But more importantly, they're just having a fucking blast, man. And like it comes through. And it comes through as great television. Voice acting is hard, okay? Like, if if you guys don't, like, it, for the listener, I know you guys know, but, like, for the listener, it's not as easy as it seems. You're not just talking. You have to find a way to emote with something that may not be emoting. Um, a perfect example of a good uh, example of this is Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian. If you cross worlds and also watch Star Wars, um, he's able to get emotion, and all you're seeing is a mask. Like, no facial expression. Um, that's impressive. These guys were able to do the same thing because you can do bad voice acting. And all I say is, is if you watch the Marvel stuff, watch the what if series and you'll find out that Sebastian Stan, while great as Bucky, cannot do voice acting because he has <laughs> he's flat the entire time. Everybody just just put in an, a magnificent performance that you can tell they're having a blast with this. I like that they didn't like mute them uh, as far as the when the cartoon characters came over to the live world, they weren't like a more serious version of themselves. He, he fucking hops on Pike's um, saddle and he goes, Riker, as he jumps on it. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what Boiler <laughs> would do. Like, yeah. I think I saw that he improved that. Did he really? Yeah. That's fantastic. And then uh, Mariner with, because she was so happy to be there, she yeah. kept breaking stuff with her happiness. Like she would like try to interact with the world and she kept breaking shit. Oh, I heard about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it made me so happy to read that. I mean, there's poor set designers, but I'm sure it happens all the time. But yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. I'll also say it was one of the two um, intro credits that made me cry. Just did was it? like weeping of like, they did the whole thing in like it was just because it's like you're saying it's just above and beyond it's just a little bit above and beyond and it's what nails it that they followed it all the way through and i just thought that was so cool i thought that was yeah. going to be the only animated moment we saw from snw in it and then when they did it at the end it was like wow they tied it together <laughs> yeah love all the way through all of this and i thought of you in both opening credit scenes i was like i bet bj is losing his mind and how cool and i remember telling dave you cannot skip the credit scene. I said I said that to him on the Lower Decks crossover and on on the the musical one. I was like, you cannot. He's like, why? I said, listen to me. You cannot. I don't know why yet, but I'm sure there's going to be a reason. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next episode. Gosh. Ugh, you ready for this one? Okay. Um, the one thing I would give as a knock to this season of Strange New Worlds is the pacing of these uh, the choices of the order of these episodes like to go from those old scientists to episode eight under the cloak of war to then go to episode nine subspace rhapsody it's it's like it's it's like whoo like a roller coaster Whiplash. because yeah dude because those old scientists which is funny because that's now the tos like instead of yes. the series they're called it those old scientists i love that <laughs> um cloak of war as a veteran 
I want to be clear. Um, my experience in the military was not great, mostly because, and as I'm finding out now, as I go into my mental health issues, um, I had like ADHD as a kid that never got treated. And I used to kick myself all the time when I joined the military. Cause I was like, why am I not good at this? Why am I not good at this? I was trying as hard as I possibly could. I was good at some things, but I wasn't good at everything. And it used to make me so mad at myself. I was like, why can't I be good at this? Well, now I found out why, <laughs> you know, hey, ADHD is a bitch and it fucks with everything because ADHD causes depression, causes anxiety. Like it's just this snowball effect that wreaks havoc with everything. But it's also why I had to join the military because I couldn't focus enough to stay in college. So I had to join the military to like, it's, it's this whole fucked up thing, right? Seeing this depict the guilt that people who are involved in some traumatic shit in the military deals with was really, really accurate from people I know that have seen awful things, from things I've seen and dealt with. But also one of the things that was really understated about this was at one point, Chapel and Mbenga, they both saw some shit. I mean, some really awful stuff when they were serving in the war. Pike wasn't in the war. Pike was off somewhere else, and so was Una, and so was the rest of the staff. The three that served were Ortega, Mbenga, and Chapel. And there is a divide between the, those two groups. And it's something that, if you're unaware of, you would be like, why is there animosity? It's not animosity. You have to understand this, okay? But it is something that exists. Because there's a certain amount of guilt from somebody who didn't go into war. And Pike talked about this at one point in the beginning of the second season of Discovery, where he felt guilty for not being there for the Klingon War. There, It's kind of like survivor's guilt, but it's just like, I wasn't here to be part of this, to have this thing that you guys share. And you almost, you, you feel like almost remorse for it in a way. But at the same time, those who did see the shit will tell you, you didn't want to fucking be there. Trust me, you didn't want to be there, but you also can't truly understand. And we saw that again at the end when Mbenga did what he did to that Klingon ba ambassador, which honestly, like, I know it's fucked up. You shouldn't condone murder, but eh, he kind of deserved it. But that conversation between Pike and Mbenga where Pike's like, you know, hey, I understand. And Mbenga's like, no, the fuck you don't. That's okay. It's okay to not understand. Sometimes you're not gonna. And like, you just have to accept that and just be there for the person as much as you possibly can. If they want to talk about it. They want to talk about it. If they don't, they don't. It was a really, really well executed episode, especially because the last time they tried to do something with PTSD, they really fucking pissed me off because they retconned the whole thing when we found out that uh, Ash Tyler was actually like Voke the whole time and it wasn't a PTSD flashback. It was the fact that he had fucking elective surgery to look like a human. So that kind of made me mad. But they righted course on this one with this one because this was one of the best episodes of anything dealing with something like this that I've ever seen. Intense. The whole thing is intense. And I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I don't have it. But it, I think that divide between those two groups is really yeah. important, but also Una's ability to see this divide and understand while she may not totally understand it, they got to get that guy off the ship now. Yeah. So yeah. that was really telling about um, that I, um, relationship and her quick, leadership. And, and I and I apologize. I should have said this before I was done. Um, I want to thank um, a couple people that I served with. Uh, one guy who has been a, a great supporter of GGR since the beginning. We actually served together. We were in basic training together. We were in AIT together. Guy's name is Joe Kachuk. He's actually been on my solo podcast, but we talked about this at great length because we had very different experiences in the military. Um, 
he actually wrote a series of stories about me and the dumb antics that I did when I was in the military of me being just like trying as hard as I could, but fucking up every single time. <laughs> and like, some of them are true. Some of them are not, but I just, I accepted it. And I was like, Joe, it's cool. Just make them all about me. That's fine. Um, I'll find them. And I'll share them with you guys. If you want to see them, they're pretty funny, actually. Do it. I love that. They already sound like they should become um, audio dramas. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll give you a tease of one. There was one where, um, I was not the best runner, but I was trying to be become a better runner. And there were two groups. There was a slow group and the fast group, right? Um, I had been in the slow group the entire time. I was working my way up to the fast group because like, I want to be number one soldier, man. And like, I was busting my ass to do it. And I just wasn't able to keep up, but I was trying real, real hard. And I was staying close, right? And I finally got myself up to the front of the group, which was the goal. You want to get to the front of the group. I got to the front of the group, right? After just, just dragging ass the whole time, right? And the drill sergeant looks over at me and he goes, great job, Lunsford. Way to suck. And K-Chuck was right there with me. K-Chuck, like, he said he saw me get excited and then the next second just drop. And I was just... Oh, my gosh, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Great job, Lunsford. Way to suck. That's oh, awful. That's yeah. awful. Welcome to my trauma. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how to move on from that. Okay. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to do with that, and I appreciate you guys kind of let me go off for a second, um, is is give both sides of the perspective without giving my opinion on either of them, because there are a lot of people who served a long time and never saw any sort of action, for lack of a better term, and then there's other people that that's all they saw was just horror and violence and 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 just things that you can't shake. Neither one of those, there's often a divide, and it sucks, and like. Some people are jealous. Some people wish they could have been there. And then some people come back and they're like, that's all they want is they want more of that because they like, there are people that came back from being overseas and they just wanted more war. And I couldn't understand that for me. I just, I never wanted anything like that. It like clicked one day because like they taught me Arabic and they taught me all these great ways to kill people. I, I remember feeling like not, well, actually it works as double entendre. I felt like a tool. Because I was like, I'm just learning this so we can be more efficient at killing brown people. And that made me sick to my stomach. And I never really admitted this to anybody, but that's why I left. Because I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Like it, it I was, ugh, it just makes me feel gross just talking about it too. And I remember like taking Arabic courses with actual people of Arabic descent. And like, they were so excited to be with me. And I'm just like, and it just made me feel very gross in general, I was like, I'm learning this for all the wrong reasons. And yeah. I wonder if that's, uh, I mean, that makes me think of Mabanga's hesitancy to become that tool, that very tool you were talking about. Yeah, no, that's, and that's why this, because I remember very rarely does something jump out at me immediately and say, hey, this is why you feel the way you do, Mike. It normally takes me a little bit of processing. Watching this episode, the whole time I just felt uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why. But it took me a little bit of just like processing it and thinking through. And I was like, oh, gross. Okay, there it is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What do you think, BJ? I thought it was gripping. I just appreciated that it furthered in Banga's story as well as Chapman's. <clears throat> I feel like the more I... There's a, there's already a way where I can, I will say I, I feel like I relate to Mbanga. Um, in a lot of different ways. And and I just think that the more depths we get to his character in terms of 
his struggles, his brilliance. I mean, it's like pairing all of this with the fact that he also had a daughter who was terminally ill, who he was doing everything he possibly could for so flippin' long to try and save her and still found a way to 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 sort of save her, just not in the way he expected. That it's like there's been so much depth to his character um, that I really, really have, have loved. And then again for Chapel, it's it's I feel like the more I learn about her, the more I'm like, do whatever the fuck you feel like you need to do at this point in your life. And I'm just behind you and trying to figure it the hell out. I really loved it. I also thought that it was great to get a little bit more from um or into Ortegas. Um I also think that overall the production did a fantastic job at really respecting the actor, Melissa, and everything that they've been going through in their personal life with their um, partner dying and that being a part of something they were dealing with while filming this whole season. Um, And I thought that there was great care in making sure that they were still engaged in the whole season, but not necessarily overburdened um, and thought that their performances were still really dynamic. So I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I agree with you too, though, on just like this, the roller coaster trajectory of of these episodes in a row from and even I mean pulling it back to the one right before with uh with zombie hammer on a lost in translation to those old scientists to cloak of war to subspace that it was just yowza it was there was just so so much um and really pulling in so many different directions in some ways I feel like well this is partly what you get when you want something to, you know, keep being episodic and it's not going to rest on its laurels about it. It's like, all right, then let's keep trying to find the ways to hit all the different genres and perspectives because that's what people are digging. Um, and, and, and it's a part of where it was, I mean, it was like a, you know, everything in the kitchen sink pizza by the time season two was done, but I wasn't mad at it. I'm, I mean, I'm still in line for season three pizza. <laughs> Uh, did you have any thoughts on uh, the episode, Mariah? So I loved watching the mystery, but the, the tension between Mabanga and um, the um, the Klingon ambassador unfold. And I was totally enthralled with the climax of the episode when he he says to him, "I I was the butcher." I and and the the Klingon ambassador is like, "I've had to portray that for you all this time." Like I thought that was brilliant and i never saw it coming um i just have one complaint mabenga i mean the actor playing mabenga is amazing and he can show such intensity um with just a look from his face i just need him to open his mouth more just a little bit more and and he did it in (laughs) subspace rhapsody and i was like do more of that it would make it so much easier but you know that's that's my issue um and it's it doesn't really detract from from the show. That's just my pet peeve. That's all. They de- they dealt with another aspect that veterans deal with, and that's stolen valor. Oh, wow. watching yeah. watching somebody gain reputation, prestige, power through lies of what you actually did and what you actually accomplished. That's a huge thing. The funny thing about the military is a lot of people like embellish shit. And most military guys kind of understand that. And they're like, yeah, okay. But then all of a sudden when you're telling people like, yeah, I have 16 bronze stars and 14 purple hearts. And you're just like, no, the fuck you don't. That's kind of what this was. Oh, oh, you're the butcher. Oh, okay. Okay. Real, that's cute. Okay. Because I was there and you are not. And, I know and Benga, who fought yeah. the hardest. Yeah. Again, they did such a great, great job of hitting all spectrums with this. They really, really did. 
they had the care uh, and like to make sure that it was done right. So as I gave the old scientist episode to you, Mariah, our resident musical expert and genius, Captain BJ Robinson, episode nine. Take it subspace, away. Subspace Rhapsody. I like already want to start crying again because it was just magnificent. Um, yeah, the amount of care that went into the episode, they they poured in, they dove in. Oh, all right, if we're doing a musical episode, we're going to do a musical episode. They did all the homework. They did the study on one of the greatest musical TV episodes of all time, Once More With Feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they knew what they had to do if they were going to try and follow in such a successful legacy. There have been so many musical episodes of TV shows that have absolutely flopped and that have missed the mark. Or occasionally, you'll get some episode that'll have one song in it that ends up being like a super smash, but you don't get many shows that can do it with a lot of success. Um, and I mean, I'm someone who's watched way too many times over and over again from Animaniacs to Steven Universe to Gallivant to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to Smash to Glee to The Simpsons to Family Guy to Jabberjaw to freaking Josie and the Pussycats, okay? So I've done way too much homework on it. Um, and again, like once more with feeling, they made sure that the music fit the actors they had. They made sure it was going to still further the stories they were telling. They gave their artists all the support they needed to be successful with what they were trying to achieve. And they did that with this production. They wrote the music to fit the actors' voices by giving them lessons and figuring out where their voices would be best at. Some of them they didn't have to work as hard at because Celia is amazing and Christina Chong's got EPs out there. Um, but I mean, Ethan Peck wasn't all thrilled about it at first. And oh my gosh, it's some of the best baritone contemporary music that now exists. And it's so, so good. Um, I think... Rebecca Romaine just like stole my heart again. And she does in everything she does, because I just think she's a phenomenal artist as well. But, you know, I mean, I'm sitting there sometimes trying to figure out, am I going to text Sean that we're out of milk or will I just try and get some myself? And before I can even finish the thought, I'm like, secrets you keep safe inside. Like, why would I even debate whether it's a secret or not about telling about them? But like, I just get instantly distracted and transported from it. Um, the music was so well written. They didn't try to stay in one genre, which also made it brilliant. And they let everyone shine in doing things in their comfort zone. I don't think people realize how much Ortega's dancing in that whole episode and getting lit and spun. And she's so good at it. People were like, she didn't sing more. She sang enough and she danced a whole lot. Um, like legit dance. Um, Jess Bush, I mean... The way they told the story of everything happening with that I'm ready song, that last line, if I need to leave you, I won't fight it. I'm ready. It was just like, oh, no, she didn't. Um, and it was like, how do you further that? Oh, you sort of reprise it in an emo rock style where Spock doesn't have to do anything with the face because he's Vulcan. 
and the words. I mean, the fact that it's all computational mathematic lyrics and it's just brilliantly explaining this brokenness. I, my mind was just blown and blown and blown. I probably repeated private conversation like five times in a row for the minute and a half it happened because it's great that Lon's like, you can't do this. You're going to sing something wrong. And he's like, no. Then <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Um, I thought the whole thing was so well done. Um, you know, everyone who wasn't sure of like, that was kind of a lie when they only brought Bruce Horak back to reprise Dead Hammer. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Klingon pop. Like, what? What? They did it. They did it. They did it. And they even made sure that Una had her line in there. The last thing anyone wants to hear is Klingon sing. Ah! So, so good. And then, like I said, the way that you just tie things in from start to finish, I, I was already crying during the whole opening number. Love that anything goes was the piece that, that was chosen. Um, and then it got into the credits itself. And I was like, I, I had to pause it. I had to pause it before I could even let the credits finish playing because hearing the first few notes and realizing like, oh and gave us a ball. Like, I just, I, 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 I'm already in tears again. Um, and then they did follow it through on the ending credits of just, yes, give me like exit bow music. That's almost like post overture of the themes. Um, it was just so, so, so good. If there was any critique I would give, my only critique is that Lon's song could have been shortened, especially because wrapped up that story <laughs> real uh real uh bringing it back to canon in a way that i think a lot of people also weren't that didn't expect to 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 come you know carol back in the picture also when i listen to the soundtrack una's keeping secrets has another verse in chorus and i would have rather had that song been extended and um her song how would that feel have been a little short that's my only criticism of the whole thing. I, I thought it was stupendous. I think I've already watched it a dozen times. Um, and I mean, I sing it all the time. There's there's no reason not to be somewhere and just start going, apologies, I appear to be singing. Like, it's just fun. It's just fun. I I loved it. I loved it so much. I I have a question. Sure. Okay, so first of all, I agree with you. It was amazing. I loved it. It had all the best cringe moments, um, particularly like when Spock is is singing his computational depression song and he's like going from console to console. He's not got blocking. He's just walking, touching a console, depressed, touching a console, depressed, because one of the hardest things to do is to act while singing if you don't have blocking, right? And so there's, I saw a couple of places like... Um, Anson Mount, he's like, I don't think he was comfortable in the the music space, even though he had some of the best moments, like with him on one knee in front of that view screen. It's just super cute to see these normally um, non-musical actors try to figure out how to fill those spaces um, yes. when they're not singing. It was just so endearing. Um, my one question is, so you've got this ribbon of sub subspace rhapsody anomaly, right? 
And so everyone in the room is singing blah, blah, blah. Uhura in her connection song has backup singers, but she's alone in the room. So is this, is the rupture causing people in their bunks to suddenly start singing backup and they don't know why? That's my question. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. It could be. For me, I thought it was almost like the echoes of the spirits of everyone she was recalling from her family to Hammer. Mm. I thought it was all of those that were referenced in it that were singing within her. See, that's so beautiful and less impish than my brain going, someone's singing backup and they don't know why and they're trying to eat their Cheerios and they can't because they have to (laughs) sing Uhura's backup and they don't even have the pleasure of being in the room with her while she's singing. I mean, it's entirely possible that the subspace anomaly also gives backup singers as well. Like, because it did create the music because the music's there, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's possible, you know? It's possible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The waltz, the waltz between Una and yep. Kirk, that was outstanding. Like down the down the hall, I was, was screaming Kirk. during that because it was like, "Thank you for following through on the Gilbert and Sullivan from the short track to the trial to the music." Like that's that's what you do. Like that is how you do it. Continuity. Yeah. Um, can I can I admit something that might cause my ejection from this podcast and never the, this ship? Um, I was hesitant to watch this episode. <clears throat> the reason being is there is a cult of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans that this episode, like when when you mentioned Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and you mentioned that you've also been in theater, their eyes glaze over and roll back in their heads and they say without fail, with no, it's like they've been possessed. And they're like, have you seen Once More With Feeling? It's amazing. Like every single time. <laughs> And like, it's yes, fuck, I've seen it. God, get, stop. Like, and like, I you don't understand, Mike. You don't understand, Mike. They got the mustard out, BJ. They got the mustard out. Let me tell you, I have that episode purchased on my YouTube just yeah. so I can watch it whenever you need to, I need yeah. it. We're proving, <laughs> BJ, we're proving Mike's point. We, we, we have valid. seen. One of the traits that I possess that I'm not 100% proud of, okay, is I am affected by the fans of things. So, for instance, if I like something and then I meet other people who like it and they're all dicks, it will literally affect how I feel about the thing. Perfect example is Weezer. Um, I loved Weezer when I was a kid. I was part of their fan club. I had them mail me all the lyrics to their songs. Like I was, I, it was fucking dope, man. I spent an extra six bucks, uh, to be part of their fan club. So they would send me this tape demo of their first song. It was called Jamie and it was really good. But then I started meeting other people who were Weezer fans and I'm like, you guys are assholes. I don't, I don't think I like them anymore. It was the same thing as everybody who would do this. And okay, there were some people that didn't, I get it. But that affected me. And I was, and everybody started when they watched it first, because I didn't get a chance to, because I had to work really early the next morning. I had a thing going on. I didn't get to watch Subspace Rhapsody when it came out. And I saw all the reactions from Star Trek ship posting and Star Trek Wholesome posting. And they were all just like, oh my God, it's exactly like once more with feeling. And I was like, fuck this episode. No, mm-mm, no, fuck it. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Gives up. No, <laughs> no, fuck this. Like, and, like, <laughs> and I ended up, and I went, this is this is for you two. I just want you to know, okay? I was like, okay, I love BJ. I love Mariah. There is no way this episode is going to be that bad. There's no way. And I'm doing this for them 
<laughs> because I am committed to this podcast and I fucking loved it. And it was better than Once More With Feeling, in my opinion. Um, the only issue I had with Once More With Feeling in retrospect is I felt that it, it, I wouldn't say it took itself too seriously, but like, I think that it's become one of those things where like people have put the rose colored glasses on and looked at it like retrospectively and saying like how amazing it was also speaking of things that like will sour my opinion of things joss whedon as we have come to find out is a total sack of shit so it is really really hard to look back on that and be like oh yeah no this is great that being said um subspace rhapsody was so goddamn fun they didn't take themselves so seriously that they couldn't like come up with a bullshit reason why they were all singing. They were like, yeah, something subspace uh, anomalies. I don't know. Klingons too. Who who the fuck cares? Like it was, it was great. I love that. But more importantly, like you said, Mariah, people who didn't sing or who don't have a huge background in musical theater, they sold the fuck out. They gave every single ounce of energy that they had Pike was fucking Anson mouths down on one knee. Like just, he is like, and like you said with Mbenga didn't, doesn't normally open his mouth. But when Pike was singing, I was noted. He was like, I am not good at this. So I'm just going to sing really, really loud and open my mouth as wide <laughs> as I can. And I'm like, solid move, Cap. Let's do it. Yeah. Like it was, it was just, yeah. It was whole, like, we must contain it. We must restrain. It was like, oh my gosh, no, no, like it, everything yeah. about it was the yeah. right, wrong kind of cheese, <laughs> and yes. and it's like, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> the um the plot points though of the episode, I'm going to touch on this real quick. That that kind of go go lost and like get overlooked because there was some big shit that happened in this episode. But again, you've got this musical theater going on, so everybody's paying attention to that. First off, we find out that Lon is like, yeah, temporal cops eat my ass i'm doing whatever i want and goes to kirk and she's just like yo so me and you because let me tell you dude like <laughs> it was i awesome. i almost hooked up with you and it's a parallel dimension thing it's fucking weird but trust me like so like what's up want to get a drink and like he was like yeah that's cool however i got this girl named carol marcus and i'm like oh carol marcus like i get excited because i'm such an old trek nerd and, he, and she's like, and uh, yeah, she's, it's kind of a thing. And she's kind of pregnant. And I was like, ooh, I like this. Because Carol Marcus and Kirk never end up together married in any capacity whatsoever because Kirk was too career focused. But also we know that Kirk has got an issue with, you know, keeping it in his pants. So I'm wondering if he doesn't end up hooking up with Lon later because Carol does something to piss him off because that sounds like some Kirk shit. I am too childish to deal with my man emotions. So I'm going to do something stupid and self-destructive. I could see him doing that. <laughs> What I loved about that is that it again that because that was another another plot point where yeah. people who you know believe in in the canon and all were complaining and were unsure of like what is this I don't know about this whole thing of Lon and Kurt, like eh, and, and it made people really uneasy. Um, so it was great to to be able to just be like oh wait Carol Solnish <laughs> there you go everyone calm down. <laughs> I love that he tried to tell her, wait a second, you're about to tell me a temporal thing. I really know this isn't, this is not something you're supposed to tell me, but tell me a little bit because it sounds juicy. <laughs> was I nice? Was I, was I good? <laughs> that's, such, that's, such, that's such Kirk ego though. Like, yeah, okay. So I know that we can't talk about this, but. How good was I? And do you think I'm still that good? 
<laughs> Am I good in every dimension? Good so enough, you're going to try again? Let's just, let's just say my name wasn't Kirk. Let's say it was Perk. How was, how was Lames G. Perk? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about the finale. Yes. Um. What other points? Wrap up about what you were saying, because like what you were saying, like with like the plot yeah. points. There were yeah. That's that's the other thing that they did successfully in this, um, yeah. a la any good musical episode of something where yeah. you have to further the plot. They mm-hmm. they gave us the tie up between Lon and Kurt. They moved it along with obviously Spock and Chapel. Yes. Um, you know, yes. like that was significant to like, all right, give us that and get it going somewhere which, so that like which was fucked up too because chapel was an asshole no i disagree let me, let I, me explain. I, I support her choices i support both of them i'd say but go ahead let, let me say my piece on this okay because fine i've i may have said this to you guys before and, and if i haven't i apologize i will often refer to people that i love very very much as assholes i refer to myself as an asshole it's not a um it's not a condemnation Okay, but sometimes we do asshole things and the way she handled that was an asshole move with Spock because it was basically like, I wish you would show more emotion, Spock. I wish you would show more emotion, Spock. Hey, baby, I'm gonna show some more emotion. Cool. Let's bang. And then after that, she's just like, why are you showing so much emotion? Why are you attached to me? What the fuck's wrong with you? And I'm just like, ooh, I don't like this side of Christine. However, it all makes sense. Because we know how broken she is from the time she spent in the war and that she's shutting herself off emotionally. Again, she's an asshole, but it makes sense and I get it. But it also, we also have to have this thing where she go works where she goes and works with Roger Corby in order to set that up for the original series. So I get it. But now all these pieces are tying together why characters are the way that they are. Because at one point, after the original series, right before the motion picture. Spock goes to Vulcan to take on what's something called the Kolinar. The Kolinar is the like final step in Vulcan um, evolution where you purge all emotion. Why would Spock need to do that? Mm. Because all of these things that have happened with emotion have broken him and he can't deal with it anymore. So he needs to get rid of them. And boy, does that fucking make sense? Like it just, it clicks. And like, again, is She's an asshole. Yeah. Spock does some asshole things too. Like it all, again, it all makes sense. I'm not, you know, that I'm a huge proponent for everybody being able to make their decisions, live your life, girl, go on and do your thing with Roger Corby. Like that's fine, Christine, but like, Ooh, don't be emotionally like dead. Cause that's what you did. You were just like, no, I don't want to talk about my feelings. Fuck you. I'm leaving. Bye. He had Boimler corner her unintentionally in an elevator and let her know very clearly Whatever you're doing with him was never supposed to be a part of his legs. That was clearly defined to her, which cornered her even more into a position of like, now she knows if she pursues this, she fucks with everything. That's a really good point. She had to, I think she, she was trying to find a way to be able, that's where, again, when that line, if I need to leave you, I won't fight it. I'm ready. It was already told to her that it couldn't happen. And she had to figure out a way to be able to release Spock to become who he's supposed to be. Because it was clear to her 
that she was never supposed to be a part of it. And not only was she not supposed to be a part of it, but his humanity coming out was already clearly defined that it was not supposed to be a part of it. I, I think I think it's a part of where I really feel like she had no choice but to figure out some way to step back. Of course, then they still like, you know, give us everything that happens after that. But but I think I think I, I feel like there was a lot of legitimacy in in finding a way to be able to not just remove herself from Spock, but remove herself enough from his his world that he can be the person he's destined to be. A really solid point, man. I'm a I love when you're able to show don't tell with stuff. I feel like you were able to interpret it and that's great, but we also don't know for sure if that's exactly what happened. And I feel like a little bit of dialogue could have fixed that. Like like that much. And maybe we'll get it at the beginning of next Communication season. can always fix things. Communication <laughs> fixes everything. Yes. Uhura 100%. showed us that. Yes. 100%. All right. We, we got to move on. We got to right, move on and go. talk about oh, yeah. the right. finale. Yeah, the finale. The, I, I, the, Where... I heard them pronounce this word and I had never heard it pronounced this word this way. Uh, hegemony? H-E-G-E-M-O-N-Y. Yeah. I've only ever heard it as hegemony. Yeah. I've heard hegemony. Commonly heard as hegemony. Hegemony. But hegemony. Hegemony. Oh, oh yeah. Um, before we move on. Um why didn't Carol Kane sing? She only sang in the group numbers. She sang in those groups. I was numbers. I was just hoping we were gonna She had a old. small solo. She had her all system stable. Oh, That's right. I can watch it. That just shows I gotta watch it again because I was so excited by it. I missed things. Okay. okay. <laughs> hegemony. Which sounds like somebody's name and not a group of um, frightening space lizards that are trying to kill people. Um, when the USS Enterprise investigates an attack on a colony at the edge of Federation space, Captain Pike and his crew face the return of a formidable enemy. The Gorn. The Which they hinted at in the beginning of episode one of season two. Love that. I like that the Gorn are kind of evolving. They're doing some smart shit. Which shows that they're not just mindless. Well, they couldn't have been mindless lizards anyways because they built fucking spaceships. But they're changing their tactics on how to deal with people. The only gripe I have is like, I'm not beholden to canon where I'm not willing to accept that things are going to change. Okay, that's fine. But like the Gorn we saw in the original series was just a big clumsy dude with shiny silver eyes and just hissed and that was about it man and like again i get it it was the 60s there's not much you can do with that but like now they look like fucking velociraptors from jurassic park and like again that's cool and i also it's not supposed to be funny but a fucking velociraptor with a space helmet on that that shit had me <laughs> dying i was like he's so cute look at him he thinks he space suits were amazing yeah. i was like that's my halloween costume i want to be yeah. a gorn in this space suit <laughs> oh man look at him he thinks he's people like it was so cute it was so cute <laughs> you know the whole thing had a ridley scott feel like an alien yes yeah Oh, yeah, well, totally, because and that's something they added too. that they're not just here to like, you know, like murder people. No trigger warning on this word I'm about to say. <clears throat> so if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to this next like two seconds. OK, when Ridley Scott was designing the whole uh, alien thing, um, that's a that's a rape analogy. And that's what the Gorn are doing, because there's no consent in this. They do it. And that's what makes them so like unsettling. That's what makes aliens so unsettling is that you now have this thing inside you that you have no control of, that you had no choice in. And like, that's a, that, yeah, 
and the fact that they've added that aspect to the Gorn is is creepy and disturbing. We got Montgomery Scott. Yeah. Oh, and he's Scotty. actually Scottish. He's actually Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you guys know that James Doohan, um, uh, the original Scotty, is Canadian? Was Canadian. Uh, God rest his soul. Uh, most uh, most Scottish people treat him as an honorary Scotsman. Oh, really? They, yes. Yeah. They're oh, like, you're awesome. not. Yeah. They just give him a free pass. They're like, yeah, no, you're Scottish. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was adorable. He was amazing. And what a great way to introduce that character in yeah. such a dark episode. And the, the very end that the image of Pike that I have left in my brain, burned in my brain until the next season comes around is Pike literally shitting his pants on the bridge looking at everyone like fuck if i know just my opinion on this everybody had their opinions about that saying like well look he's indecisive he's not doing anything Mm -mm. no that is for dramatic effect just like the end of um best of both worlds part one where Riker is facing off against lacutus and he has to fire the deflector dish thing and he and the music bum 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 mr wharf bum 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 fire like so drawn out it's it's all for dramatic tension oh yeah i agree i don't think that yeah. he's actually yeah. like i i don't think less yeah. of the character i think that they yeah. filmed it in a way that yeah you know how when you take a picture of someone mid mid um emotion and yeah. it's it's a micro expression that's what it looked like to me was a micro expression before he figures it out which i oh, thought yeah. was unfair but that's yeah. what's image that's the image in my head of him looking like he's going to shit his pants yeah but that's a part of where they were going for that intentional like it was like oh okay well we haven't done the cliffhanger yet let's do the cliffhanger and and there you go again (laughs) when when you're down for the series to get to try out different styles and genres and storytelling techniques it's what we asked for especially when we all knew season three was already set to go um, in terms of they knew they were going to have it. They knew they had the leverage to be like, okay, here's what we do. Make it melodramatic and we don't have to wrap it up. Um, so it was, it was fun. It was still really, really fun. Um, <clears throat> and kind of, I have a, I have a, I guess it's a theory. Um, maybe it's just a hope. But to your point, Mike, um, at where the Gorn are now, <laughs> to where they were in, in, you know, first TOS, not new TOS. I think there is going to be another age of the Gorn we're going to see that is older and that is perhaps the closest to what TOS Gorn looked like. Like I and, and I don't know, I don't I, I guess like I feel like part of me sees it and part of me can't fully see it yet, but I because we've gotten to see so many stages, especially if you've seen that ready room episode after a finale where they really show us all the fun puppetry and the suits and everything behind these levels of corn that we got to see. Um, I think there's going to be another stage that we get to see that will tie in closer. So I just thought of something. Why are the Gorn smarter than they were before? Because they've been breeding new Gorn inside humans because an alien, they explain this, that every species they breed with, they bring something of that species because it's a combination of DNA. That's why the Gorn are smarter. And that's why the Gorn we see later is more humanoid. 
I expect hmm. my residual checks, Star Trek. Um, <laughs> we figured, it out. figured it out. <laughs> um, yeah, that, oh, that's just my theory. I mean, like, it, yeah. Um, I did see some interesting theories, though, about uh, the way they tr- uh, treated uh, Battelle. And people were kind of pissed off about that. Um, that her only purpose in this episode, basically, it was just a thing for Pike to worry about. I'm trying to remember exactly the way they described just it. Just a thing? No, I mean, yeah, that, that's, even that's, a thing to for yeah. him to worry about is important. It doesn't lessen. Yeah, but it didn't right. give her any chance to actually like have anything going on for her, basically, is what they I mean, were saying. Except I, the part where she's like keeping all of these people still alive and trying to help organize them as the yeah. plan. Like, no, see, I, I agree. This is why I was saying that the, like... She's got plenty that she's doing. She's pivotal. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they're saying that if she dies because of this, that it's only to further Pike's role in this. Because, like, it's just to... She is... She's basically there just to have him react to things. So if she dies, it's to further Pike's arc instead of actually having something to do with... That it would be a wasted death, basically. I'm okay with that, though, because he is the center of the story. And they have plenty of really strong female um, parts of the story that affect him deeply, too. Like, the fact that she's a a not as important character, I mean, that's going to happen. But I don't think that's a fault or a bias of the writers. I think that's just consequence of having a, a decent plot. I think it's the same thing. Remember that episode of Last of Us, Mariah, that we talked about where it showed... It showed the uh, relationship with the gay couple that really wasn't in the movie or not in the movie, not in the video game. It was only like a snippet in the video game. Mm-hmm. They actually showed the whole development of the relationship. Yeah. And that like there was discussion that that could have fallen into the category of the barrier gaze trope. Right. But like, right. like, again, whether you agree, or whether you disagree to be able to have the conversation in the first place and say like, hey, is, does this fit into this category means that we're all being more aware of these things and that That's they true. exist and that we're trying to do a better job of of like not doing it anymore. Yeah, That's true. For sure. For sure. It's a killer season. I can't wait for season three and I want to quiz your knowledge now. Okay, I'm going to ask you who said it and bonus points if you can tell me what episode. And sometimes I will express like the character did, and sometimes I will deadpan it. For instance, when an armada of human-eating lizards come my way, I can get quite creative. I'm going to go with the finale, and I'm going to go with Montgomery Scott. Same. Well done. Because I, I hear that I hear that in a Scottish brogue, yeah. Yeah, which I'm not going <laughs> to attempt. That's why I told you some of it would be that deadpan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Captain Battelle is tough, sir. If she can handle you, the Gorn should be a piece of cake. Una finale. Mike, I'm going to agree with BJ. Lawn, but yes, finale. Obviously, does, because of the Gorn. Right. It does make sense that Lawn would say that, especially because she has such a connection with the Gorn. And ooh, man, ooh, she's on that ship. Ooh, that's gonna. Ooh. Yeah. I'm almost wondering if that's going to trigger her into like going into like um, Ellen Ripley mode um, for aliens so. and that I she's just so. like, just, just guns blazing. Just like, yeah, that would make sense. I, I wanted, I wish that, I mean, obviously she was on the other mission with, with Pike, but I would have loved to have had her though with Spock onto the other um, Federation ship to the destroyed Federation ship. Um, yeah. Mm. I think then that would, that would have been fun as well. Dude, that zero-G um, fight was so cool. It was, it was. amazing. 
All right. Same episode. Sometimes a monster is just a monster. Who said it? That's Pike. Crap. I can't remember what episode that was. Was it the oh, finale? No, yeah, it was the finale. It was the finale. Oh, okay. I thought that was Battelle trying to like deflect. Well, according to me watching it, no, no, this was according to uh, Geek Girl Authority. Yeah. Um, sometimes the monster is just a monster. I'll have to double check, but yeah. Yeah. So he's talking to Admiral um, Admiral April at that point. And April's just like, that's um, right. Yeah. We have to right. keep negotiations here because they're laying claim to this planet and yada, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. And then he's just like, not nah, they're No, they're monsters. And sometimes a monster is just a monster. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Nice. This is my, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying nice. Oh. <laughs> nice memory. <laughs> All right. This is my life. I'm not letting my mistakes ruin yours. Okay, so we're looking at the whole season. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think that's in Jamal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is my, say it one more time. This is my life. I'm not letting my mistakes ruin yours. Sounds like a Bon Jovi song. <laughs> this is my life. Was that alternate Pike or alternate Kirk? No, but good guess. But it's I feel like it's Laon to Kirk in the Subspace Rhapsody episode. Nope. Mm, No, this is the very first episode of season two. It's Una talking Uh, about her choice to reveal Pike in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my life. Yeah. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am your superior officer and I am ordering you to have a hot dog. That was Laon to Kirk. No, no, Kirk Kirk to Laon. Yeah, because I remember that. And like Kirk just raw dog and those hot dogs didn't put any toppings on them. Yeah. (laughs) Say raw dog. (laughs) All right. All right. Here is the best writing of the whole season. And it's abridged, like smushed together. There is nothing wrong with you, Lieutenant. No hidden monster inside. They look down on us for so long that we begin to look down on ourselves. You're not born a monster. You're just born with the capacity for actions. The it's lawyer. Different... Yes. Nira, it's two <laughs> different speeches merged together. Some yeah, of the so best lawyer talking to Laon. Yeah. 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 That All lawyer, right. man, she just absolutely so. just murdered that episode. She was so good. What the hell are you doing inside my nacelle? Well, that would be Carol Kane's character because she's the, the uh, chief engineer. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you remember who she was talking to? Uh, Was it Uhura? Yeah. Uhura was like freaking out during that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Same episode. I won't let you blow up the ship. I promise. Because that was Uhura's fear, was that she was going to blow up the ship because that was what was happening to the subspace array. Um, Who said it to her? Was it Una? No. Was it Hammer in the yes! video? Yes. It was Hammer. Well done, BJ. By the way, <laughs> I I write his name as Hemler. I never remember it's Hammer. <laughs> Just throw an L in there, yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Um, future boy did it. Future boy did it. That's, <laughs> that's from the uh, that's yeah. from the those old scientist episodes. <laughs> They're talking about Boimler. Is that Ortega's? Yes. Yeah, that sounds nice. like Ortega's line too. Like she would say, she would say some shit like that. Yeah. Um, 
Hot Spock agrees with me. That's that's um, that's the other one. That's um that's Mariner. Yeah, yeah it that's is. Tony, yeah, Tony News. <laughs> I, I fucking love that man that was I great. they were just unapologetically exactly the same yeah i'll you also live and oh, wait a minute <laughs> i'll you also live and <laughs> it was boims yeah it was yeah boims oh that Spock. was great <laughs> the, the, the inflection just killed like great performance Mariah. yeah that was that was You're well welcome. performed yeah um enterprise needs to clean up its own mess think of the badge in the backyard yeah um the lotus eaters episode and it would be pike yeah yep yep yeah all right um (laughs) okie dokie who's pumped to scan some teleron radiation (laughs) this is this is spock when he's human um in that charades episode no it's not no. okay no but that would make sense no yeah think um those old scientists this one's tricky oh was this was this mariner when they were at the bar and they had started to figure it out no this is no. rutherford this is rutherford oh oh yeah. before they left and went to the the actual portal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. got it got it Ooh, that's a good uh, one. yeah you turned me into a monster I am the butcher of Jagal. Yeah, Mbega. Yeah, um, one of the best. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Um, Mr. Spock, you explained that very well. I almost understood it. Captain Kirk in Subspace Rhapsody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, this was an awesome call out to Buffy. I would prefer not to be a bunny either. Mbega! <laughs> That's right. It must be buddies. There were so many little references. It was great. So that happened. Same episode. episode. Yep, that's right. Yep. Stop. If it's it's from that episode, I'm. I uh, gosh, I've already watched too many. Got the catalog. Nice. Yes, it's clear. (laughs) One of the prettiest lines, most poetic. We have to fight so the people we love can have a chance to live in peace this one um i remember that line god that was that was good um i'll give you a hint the person this person speaking to is a soldier who's all banged up oh yeah no okay and okay so there's a story behind this too because his last name was cartwright and there's theory Mm -hmm. that he is admiral cartwright from um the original series movies is father or brother one of the two wow Yeah, yeah i did read that article yeah yeah, which is really like that is a deep cut, man. Which oh, and it okay because Cartwright also was involved in the plot in Star Trek VI to not allow the Klingons and the Federation to end hostilities. So it would make sense that he would still hold a grudge against the Klingons because they killed his brother or father or mm. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in my defense, that thing has like zero instructions. Is that also those old scientists? And yes. it's the uh, portal. And it's yes. um that sound the way you did the inflection, that sounds like Mariner. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Okay. Um I mean you're just giving a killer performance here. So <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kirk, clean up your mess. Yes. <laughs> fucking Sam Kirk, the, he's <laughs> such a slob. More like crumbs <laughs> Kirk, am I right? 
Um, uh, uh, it was so yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks are not required. No further contact is necessary. Oh, those the fucking the fucking aliens um, that cut Spock in half that, and turned him into human. Yeah, yeah, that made him human. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that was yellow. That was yellow. yellow. That's yeah. right. Please, no further contact. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard because it was so cold. I regret that you had to witness that outburst. That's Spock. <laughs> it's Spock in the. It's the second episode. It's the courtroom one. It's the other. Yeah. Um, it's the other Vulcan, the bald Vulcan, and they're looking at each other. And like Mbenga's like, look at his body language. He is pissed. Yeah. Ortega's has no idea anything's going on. He comes over. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a funny one. Yeah. Yep. All right, we're gonna wrap it up by talking about. By the way, good job. Good job. Yay. We're gonna good wrap pass. it up by talking about Lord Dex and um, the new favorite little creature in the entire Star Trek universe, yes. Yes. Moopsie, Moopsie, which will suck your bones out while yes. very cutely saying Moopsie. Moopsie. The Pokemon of the Trekkers. <laughs> that's what it is. It's the next generation of Pokemon oh. in the 24th century. It just says oh. his own name. That's what they do. They walk around going, you know, Pikachu. And we get Moopsie. Oh, God, that episode was so good because it turns out that Moopsie escaped because the humans are dicks. Like that was, it was perfect, and they look so sad and dejected when they're left there for punishment for releasing the bone sucking <laughs> Pokemon. The OG <laughs> evil. They're like, man. <laughs> All right, so real quick, your your initial feelings about this season of Lower Decks, BJ. Um, loving it. I, I mean, all the Voyager stuff was absolutely great. Everything about Tuvix was hysterical. Um, and again, one of those things they do really well with Lower Decks is where you just tell the story on its face. They weren't going to sit here and try and beat around the bush of how shit went down with Tuvix. You don't have to have seen the episode. They tell you exactly how it all goes. And it's so great to see it play out, um, especially in its other direction. Um, I also... Uh, two other things I'm really excited about. I'm excited about um, new Vulcan Tolin because I'm a huge fan of the voice actor Gabrielle uh, Ruiz. Uh, she was phenomenal on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, has an incredible singing voice and has done lots of live theater. Um, and it's not her first time with Tolin because there was that episode, uh, what was a couple seasons back, where they showed us all the other lower deckers um, on the, the Vulcans and the Klingons and, and the Packlids and the Borg. Um, and so getting to see her come in has been really, really exciting. Um, I'm also down for the fact that they're going for, again, something that's a bit more of the long story uh, telling arc with this season of, you know, this mysterious entity that is uh, wrecking ships across the galaxy. Yeah. I'm loving it. Loving it. Mike. 100% co-signed. When this series first started, I was not excited about it because... I, I think Rick and Morty is pretentious as shit, mostly because, again, you know, my hang up, the people who are fanboys about it, but also the people not understanding that Rick is not a hero. And, and, and the, oh, I love Rick. He's so great. Uh, he's a drunk asshole. This is literally taking all the best things from Rick and Morty and making it Star Trek. But it's more it's it's got the same comedic pacing of the early seasons of Letterkenny when Letterkenny was funny before it just became repetitive as shit. 
it's just, it's fast paced, man. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss something, but that's, what's great about it because you're laughing at one thing and then you miss another thing. So you have to go back and watch it. Like there's so many great references and like the Voyager episode was just chalk full of so many great references. Oh, just, it was outstanding. The Chaotica stuff was so fucking funny. Like it was so great. I love that they brought the cheese back. I love that the cheese came back and that's what disabled Voyager. That was, that was, fu- it was fucking brilliant. I, I loved it. I loved that it was a love letter to Voyager. I, I, I like that there's this looming threat. We don't know exactly what it is. I love the fucking intro that every single season, that fight where the, where the Cerritos is like, oh, fuck this and turns around and leaves gets worse and worse and worse. Because now in this season, the, the fucking crystalline entity is there and the fucking whale probes there too. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> This is the way a show should be. They find the thing that makes it great and they amplify that. And then they find the things that are ridiculous and they don't hide it. They amplify that too. I I love that they all get promoted except for Rutherford. And then Rutherford at the end of the second episode, it's just like, hey, um, can I get promoted for one of those things that I did before? And his his boss is like, yeah, here, here's your pip. And just throws it at him. He's like, and it's so subtle. It is such a wonderful line that is so important for every single person out there to hear. And he said, it's okay for me to ask for things that I deserve. Yes, it is a hundred percent. Okay. For that. That was, that was fucking brilliant. And like the fact that Boimler's losing his shit because he can't find a good bunk. And like Rutherford is just like, Oh yeah, you just got to change the, uh, the shades basically. <laughs> like you got to just close the fucking window shades, man. Like, that's such a Boimler move because he's so neurotic that he wouldn't even think of that. Like he just thinks that like the universe is out to get him. Like, yeah, it was, that was, that was brilliant. I, oh God. The fact that they gave him a room between two holodecks and he's like, why would they put a room between two holodecks? It was outstanding. <laughs> the energy was amazing. I actually went back cause I saw that the name of the first episode was T W O V I X Tuvix. And I was like, oh, shit, I have to actually go watch that controversial episode. So I did. I went back and it's a doozy. Um, <laughs> and and I'm in the camp that she killed a new life form, but whatever. So yeah, but, yeah, but two minus one is one. So no, no but the, with, the, with the flower, it was a new life form. And you can't anyway. So besides that, it was an <laughs> it was an amazing way to handle and acknowledge like the the writers did dirty here although i think that was their they wanted to anyway my favorite part of the voyager episode was the little the little salamander robots that that they got mortified (laughs) by the nanites yes and they're like sitting there just chilling like watching mayhem and just super happy sitting there they were outstanding they were my favorite and then of course um moopsie the the relationship between Mariner and Ransom was really cool and just pop in with energy and antagonism, but in a great mentor mentee fashion. It was amazing. And then he lets her hit him until he's toothless. Like, and he's, it's like, they're totally cool about it. Like that's fine. But when he's in his office and, and tormenting her and then is like, well, this is the way it's going to be. And then starts weightlifting and, and working out like you do you, boo. You can stay or you can go. I'm going to continue to to work out and grow my muscles. I mean, that it was awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. And I can't wait for the new the new episodes. Also, it's, their TNG outfits. 
um, uh, Ransom and uh, Jax in the beginning. Like, that, oh, yeah, that, where that was they're, so they're, great. That was so great. The, they're emulating the sexist thing that Rick Berman did from, yeah. from TNG with uh, totally with, with Doctor with Doctor Crusher and uh, Counselor Troy. Their workout outfits were the exact same. Oh, workout. that, yeah, yeah, that, yes, that was yeah. beautiful. That was so great. Were they doing the same movements too? Yes, yes the exact. That's, that's the flexible. That's the second. That's the second time they've done that in this show, and I fucking love it every time because again they take all of the things that are bad about the original series and they're like let's just blow this up and it's it's fucking fantastic and i love that boimler is such a fanboy that he has action figures of spock and kirk and like it, it's and like he was like oh no um what One of those oh, is no. reverse archer from goes, oh, uh, no mirrorverse archer Enterprise. it's been and they're talking about how like this might be the gateway yeah. into um the the what's it called the tubes um, yeah. are named after what's his face from 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 Enterprise series as well. Um, what do they call it? As BJ does his research, Google that shit. I love that they handled the Tuvix thing with the kind of I don't give a fuck what you think about this mentality that it needs. Because... Oh, she totally murdered him. You know that, right? Yeah. Like wait till <laughs> we'll, wait till yeah. he finds out how how Janeway did it, and yeah. and um uh the the captain's like, well, shit. Because yeah. <laughs> the research doesn't yeah. help her at all. Yeah. What was even funnier about that is they were like, we have the best medical technology. and We can just get him back to Earth. We can fix this. Like, I love that that was the solution. And they almost justified Janeway's decision because they were in the Delta Quadrant. But yes. at the same time, when all of them get merged into a morphous blob and it's no longer sentient, they're like, ah, fuck it. They're not sentient anymore. Like, I, that, was, <laughs> that was great. They're like, yeah, it's a life form, but we can't, it doesn't, can't even talk. Like, blob of meat. Oh, what, the, the Tom and Steve one. He was like, um, I, I want a fish. Oh, oh the fucking the dolphin. <laughs> the dolphin guy. <laughs> and it's like eyes are going in different directions. Oh my god, yes. It was so <laughs> wonderful. That's the thing, is like I you can say that that episode is ham fisted, the, the Tubix episode from Voyager. But like the fact that it's been almost 30 years since that episode came out, and people are still talking about it. Like it didn't seem day. ham-fisted to me when I was watching it for the first time, yeah. like yeah. In, on September yeah. 10th, 2023. It didn't feel that way, but I can see how it might've been yeah. perceived as that back then. Yeah. Well, like it, it's, it's a very, it, it takes the trolley paradox mm-hmm. yeah. of do you move the trolley to save a thousand people, but in doing mm-hmm. that, you kill two people. Like, and a flower. And a flower. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you kill Tuvix to save Tuvok? and neelix yeah and it like, was interesting because they yeah. made him they made everyone love it was a, such an interesting choice to make everyone love tuvix and then have him literally fight for his life just heartbreaking a bit and she's like that's cool it, yeah <laughs> but i have to tell you i i don't know if it was because of the director or just because of ability but tess's character was just uh it, uh, uh. Tess was always an interesting one. Yeah, I think it was a combination probably of the it writing was. ability and and, and director. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of everything. And like Tess, it all of it. <laughs> Tess was originally originally written into the show as eye candy. Um and yeah. They failed at that. Jennifer Leon was thought of as like the thing that would, you know, sex it up, right? Wasn't working. Um that's why they brought Jerry Ryan on. That's yeah, why that they brought sense. Seven yeah. nine on and put her in a, a skin tight cat suit, you know, like 
Because, you know, the board wears skin tight things because something about cybernetics. I don't know. BJ, um, did, you find your, <laughs> did you find your thing? Yes. And Mike, you were on the right track. Um, the Tucker Tubes is is what they call them so that they're named Trip. after. Yeah. Trip Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Who, who has my favorite way of saying cap, Captain in all of the Star Trek series. And he just just fully just leaned into Captain. Like, yeah. Like, like, like yes, Captain Crunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, I, I, we got to wrap it up. Can I you give guys... a te- can I give a teaser to the fans, like a little piece we can include in the episode? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I know, and hopefully, all of you have watched it or at least listened to it, um, or seen it on TikTok. Um, I did a little video not too long ago where I talked about why the Enterprise and Star Trek Three blew up the way that it did. So, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's totally awesome. It's on the Great Geek Refuge t- uh, TikTok account, but you can also find it um, on Great Great Geek Refuge um, You just search for our podcast, uh, Federation Conversations, and it's in there. I embedded it as a video. You check it out. Um, I'm doing another one. In fact, I might do two. Um, I found out what the whale probe was saying to the whales, and I found out what the whales are saying to the whale probe in Star Trek Four. Um, and I'm going to do a TikTok about that. Um, I also found out why the Enterprise A is a garbage heap in Star Trek Five. Remember how he gets on the Enterprise, and, and they're like, "Let's see what she's got." And then we go to Star Trek Five. Sp- uh, Scotty's like, "Yeah, let's see what she's got." We found out, didn't we? And like everything is broken. I remember. I'm excited. Okay. Like yeah, I'm not gonna give it, I'm not gonna give it away, but like it's it makes it killing it makes, me. It, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So stay tuned, loyal viewers, and you will get to hear or see these things uh, in due time. It's killing me. So hurry up and do it. Well, um, since you're privy to these sort of um, behind the scenes things, um, the listeners, you'll have to wait. But maybe Mariah will know about this once we hit stop on the record. Okay. Well, <laughs> goodbye, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> In real life, Mike Lunsford is editor-in-chief, podcaster, graphic artist, and writer at Great Geek Refuge. He's also hard at work in raising the next generation of nerds and faithfully posts his meals on Insta. William B.J. Robinson, pronouns he, they, is a queer, black, and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego, as well as an actor and composer. BJ is also the director of music at Christ United Presbyterian Church, the creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfortable with the uncomfortable through community conversations, and host of KPBS Arts, a local PBS TV show all about arts and culture across the United States. For more info, just search at WillBJRob and or at Tough.Talk2020 on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and YouTube. By the way, BJ performed the Strings version of Private Conversations, which you heard underscoring his review of Subspace Rhapsody. As for myself, playwright Mariah Beachboard's pronouns are she, her, and she is a podcaster for GGR. She raises a geeky family and keeps it real in Rocket City, Alabama, which is the ancestral home of the Muscogee Nation. Now to you, dear listeners, stay tuned for our next episodes. Check out our Insta for exclusive content at Federation Conversations. You can also email us at federationconversations at gmail.com. And please drop by greatgeekrefuge.com to discover all the amazing happenings. And of course, my friend, as always, I pray you feel truly seen by those you love. Thank you for listening. <laughs>